Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer and incredibly insightful person, Asa Wheatley, about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the show and for all the feedback that I get on how to improve it. Also, I'd like to extend a further thank you to those of you who have reviewed us on iTunes, as we're now officially a five-star podcast. I'm not sure how long that will last, but if you'd like to help the show reach more people, then please review us on iTunes, however you see fit, and that will help us appear in podcast listeners' recommended feeds. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Asa Wheatley. How's it going? Hello, it is very good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm having a fairly busy busy Monday uh, here at... Uh, at my home office <laughs> but uh no it's all good what about yourself it's always good to be busy though yeah the same um just prepping bits and pieces for upcoming projects and things like that nice um and uh and speaking of which uh, for anybody that doesn't know what do you do in the world of comics uh, so i am a indie comics writer um i kind of delved into it mostly uh last year or while well, i've been doing beforehand but last year was when i published uh, the first book that i've done which was called tales of mystery um, it's a noir mystery series about a private detective that gets trapped in the body of a black cat wow and <laughs> um, there are two issues of that out currently and there are going to be two more um and then at the moment as as you are listening to this uh, there is currently a kickstarter running for my next project which is called uh, sprouting and other tales of the curious um as you can probably guess it is a anthology it's got comics and prose in it um i was working with uh, five different artists who have done an amazing job um on it and we got uh, emily pearson who did uh, snap flash hustle and the wilds to do the cover yeah. and the cover looks amazing and yeah so you can find that on kickstarter it's sprouting and other tales of the curious fantastic so just search that in kickstarter um, yeah. and also that that link will be in the show notes so people can just click Perfect. straight through there yeah. and and where else can they find you on the interwebs uh well you can find me on twitter is at asa weekly um i was i'm one of the the lucky few who my name is rare enough that i can get my whole name on on twitter without underscores or numbers <laughs> um so yeah, if you you just search my name on Twitter, uh, you can find it. And my website is just asaweekly.com as well. So all all stuff about the uh, the things that I write is all on there as well. And there's a page dedicated to the Kickstarter too, so you can find out more information. Um, and then the link is on there as well. Perfect, man. Um, cool. Uh, well, that aside, unfortunately, I've got some some bad breaking news for you. Uh, because there's actually been a uh, robot uprising um, and the entire globe has been taken over by an artificial intelligent uh, robot. Um, So my first question to you is, what's your plan for survival? Well, it kind of depends, I think. It depends on how nice the AI is, how how good it is with human interaction. Um, If if it's all if it's just taken over and it's kind of like a utopia 
everything's run by robots humans don't really have to work anymore then that's 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 kind of great i think yeah maybe in some ways i'm sure i'm sure it would turn out to be the old utopia is actually a dystopia mm. um, but if it's if it's a a more harsher environment then i guess it's it's just it's doing what everybody promises that they'll do and never does is just quitting technology yeah <laughs> um hiding out in a cabin somewhere with no sign of any technology being close to anything at all um i, I guess hunting for food that sure. would probably be a thing but i'd probably try not to leave the cabin ever yeah um and i just stay there and know that my four walls will probably for a while protect me until until the robots eventually found me um but it depends on how smart they are as well i guess yeah as well you kind of got to really hide yourself um if you're going to be uh, hiding from them kind of go deep into the wilderness um any idea where that would be i don't know i mean i've i've heard the canadian wilderness is is pretty big but then there's also bears there i think Uh, so i don't know maybe the bears would help me fight off the ai robots maybe it's it's like (laughs) human and animal has to combine to take over to take back the world from the robots um i mean to be fair the more i talk about this the more i'm convinced that this is a great idea and so i'm gonna I'm going to build an army of bears and wolves in the Canadian wilderness. Amazing. Take that. Um, and uh, is, is anybody uh, coming along with you uh, to, to your cabin in Canada and your army of bears? I mean, it, it's, it'll be fairly open, but not too open that the robots will find out about it. Um, I mean, my girlfriend will definitely be with me um, unless she is a robot spy. Um, try, try and keep out all the robot spies. I guess I don't really know how you would do that though. Um, so maybe one will get in. I'll, ne- I'll never maybe know. Eventually. Yeah. Um, um, but I'd keep it to as a many low, tests a as low you can. number. Yeah, I'd keep it to a low number just to just to prevent uh, as many spies as possible. Yeah. Um, excellent. Um, so uh, one evening, uh, whilst in your your cabin in in Canada, um, and the and the bears are outside protecting you, um, uh, your your girlfriend uh, starts to ask you about comics, um, and you're you're reminiscing about comics. And uh, the first question that she asks is, uh, "What's the first comic you remember enjoying?" Well, that is 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 pretty easy. I think it was it was one of the one of the easier questions that I, I assume she's going to ask me tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I remembered enjoying is X-Men Days of Future Past. Great. Um, so I got the uh, graphic novel as, uh, as like a gift from my uncle. Um, mm-hmm. he, he had read uh, comics growing up and I would always get kind of like Beano and Dandy from him. Um, and... And I would read the kind of like uh, Panini reprints of the the UK Panini reprints that you could get in like newsagents. Yeah. Um, but I I never really followed them. I never really kind of it was pick up a random one this week. It's got Daredevil in it. Next week it's got Punisher in it or the X Men or something like that. But Days of Future Past was kind of my first um, exposure to a like 
I, I guess a proper comic, quote unquote. Sure. Um, the graphic novel has the kind of introduction of Kitty Pride, um, as she is obviously an integral part of the Days of Future Past story. Mm. Um, which, having having looked back at it, um, preceding this conversation. I realised that the actual Days of Future Future Past story is only two issues long, um, which seems insane considering. Yeah, that's pretty short. <laughs> yeah, and and how how much it has influenced the X Men universe mm. for it such a small a small story, um, but it's the so the graphic novel also has like a, a Christmas issue in it as well. I guess they had to fill it out, considering the the actual story is only is only two issues long. Um, but yeah, I just I kind of delved straight into it. I'm a big believer of, especially Marvel comics and especially things like X Men. Of there is no good starting point. You just have to jump in, and if you don't get on with the confusion of who everyone is, what's going on, then superhero comics probably aren't for you. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I loved it. I wanted to know who everybody was. I liked all their cool powers and costumes. I didn't understand half of what was going on when I was reading it, I'm sure. Um, but but I just remember specifically enjoying that and that and me wanting to read more of them, more of that specific team and more kind of Marvel comics. Awesome. And do you think that that's had a had an impact on your creative process today? Oh, my creative process. Uh, probably, yeah. I think I think it's it's definitely given me less worry sometimes when there's a lot of not necessarily a lot of exposition, but a lot of mm-hmm. kind of information, a lot of world mm-hmm. around what's going on. Um, I think it's it's made me worry less about about over overfilling that kind of stuff and if a reader is interested then they'll they will pursue it and find out more and if they're not then they'll just ignore it and it's not it doesn't have to be uh, something that they have to know mm. to enjoy the story but sometimes a bit of extra world building around the story can just make it feel a bit more a bit more realized i think reading things like the uh, that era of x-men where there was so much going on. Um, I mean, the the graphic novel that I have starts with Cyclops leaving. It's one mm. issue about Cyclops leaving, and then it kind of just moves on immediately. And it's it's almost a weird inclusion that they included that issue of him leaving. They could have just included the next one. I assume it was something to do with they had to include a certain number of issues uh, to to make it a graphic novel. But it kind of it gave you a little glimpse into the world. Obviously, something big had happened beforehand, and but it didn't kind of dwell on it. It then just moved straight on to the next story, and it was very much you can you can go find out what happened before all this if you want. Mm. But if you just want to read what's what's happening now, then that's totally fine. And it didn't take away from anything um, if you didn't if you weren't bothered. Yeah, that's awesome, and that's kind of a good lesson, I guess. Um, that if you are yeah. kind of creating like an expansive world, that um, you know, and you do have kind of spin-offs and stuff like that, that you know, you can leave a thread there, and it's up to the reader whether they want to pull it. Or not, yes, exactly. 
Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Um, and uh, so the the conversation uh, with your with your girlfriend <laughs> moves on uh, to to what's the funniest or the comic that made you laugh out loud the most? Okay, so this is a, a more recent entry. Um, so it's a book called Sex Castle. Um, and is uh, have you heard of Sex Castle before? Uh, I uh, I hadn't before, but um, I looked it up uh, when your when your choices came through, um, yeah. and it looks like fantastic fun. <laughs> it is. It's really good. It is. It is kind of the perfect parody, and as yeah, like, it's not oh, perverted, by the way, for just for the listeners, because no, it, no. it sounds like it off the bat. Yeah. Um, it it was weird though because it did. Uh, I, I'm not sure if, if it came out near it, but it, it definitely came to my attention around the same time as the um, the Sex Criminals book. Oh, right. Okay. And they are two very completely different books. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but yeah, Sex Castle is is essentially a parody of an 80s action film. Um, and as all good parodies are, it is in essence an 80s action film in and of itself. Yeah, um, I think in it, the uh, in the pitch on Image Comics it says it's the best eighties movie that was never made. Yes, or and that, that's is, their kind of that is the perfect summation of it. Um, and it is about a um, he's like an action hero assassin kind of guy called Shane Sexcastle. <laughs> Great name. Um, <laughs> yeah, brilliant name. Some of the names in this are amazing. So <laughs> there is there is a page that I have found. I'm, I'm holding the book in front of me. Um, and there is a bit in the in the story. So the story is kind of basically about uh, he's the world's greatest greatest assassin, and he leaves the world of like assassins behind and kind of moves to a small town, as all great action eighties action heroes do. You're right. Um, and then all all these people, or his past basically comes back to haunt him, and all these assassins come to kill him. Um, and there is a a single page um, where. Uh, one of the characters has just told um, Sex Castle that the top nine assassins are coming to kill him. And there is single panels of each of these people, and they are all an 80s action star that you would 100% know. <laughs> um, so there's Dutch Matrix, who is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, uh, it's got to be a Dutch. Yeah, there's there's uh, Sydney Phoenix, who is Wesley Snipes, basically. Um, there is the old man, which is a very crinkled looking Clint Eastwood. Um, <laughs> and, uh, the damn twins, which is a, a homage to, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, I'll leave some of the others for, for when people read it, but it is, it is brilliantly written. It's, um, it's really simple. It's in a really nice, small format as well. Yeah. Um, so it's the kind of thing it very easily fits into a, a like bag if you're traveling or something like that. You can mm-hmm. read it in one sitting. So if you know you've got like a train journey ahead of you, um, yeah. and it is it is just pure insane action fun. Um, it is kind of brutal at times. Oh, uh, right, yeah. But Carl Stark's artwork is very not cartoony but very expressive. Um, and the main character basically looks like Snake Plissken, um, okay. Escape from New York and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's brilliant. The the book is is black and white. Um, 
and and yeah just it's it is the perfect parody because it is the thing that it is parodying oh yeah totally it's kind of like um uh, a parody of the expendables before the expendables <laughs> yeah that's kind of almost what it exactly is it's if the expendables film was about the expendables going to like kill this like best assassin in the world yeah. that's what this book would be except Amazing. way better yeah yeah kind of i guess uh expendables and john wick but with tongue-in-cheek <laughs> yes yeah totally yeah it, Although they kind of have tongue-in-cheek a little bit though both those films but to a degree yeah to a degree maybe more john wick than uh, expendables but yes yeah i'd say so <laughs> Oh, but that's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, and is, is there a particular moment in there that really kind of uh, got you, got you a, a belly laugh? Oh, I don't know. I don't think there's a particular moment because it is almost every other page, if not every page, there is something great, great on it. Um, <laughs> like the first page is his birth and it's four yeah. panels and it's, it's from... His point of view, uh, I assume, oh, right, okay. it's, it's two okay. doctors. Yeah, it's two doctors. And one doctor just says, doctor, I need you here. This baby is respond- is not responding properly. The other one just says, would you look at that? Nurse, this baby was born mean. <laughs> and that's his introduction. That's right. Shane Sexcastle's um, introduction. Um, and yeah, it's. I don't think there's a specific moment because there are just so many. And the lettering is really good, um, and it's it's kind of more expressive than just your your classic Biff, um, Pow, and stuff mm. like that. It's it's a bit more um, descriptive as to as to what is actually um, happening in the panels as well. So I don't think I could say one one moment because the whole book is just hilarious and tops itself constantly action packed sounds excellent yeah um brilliant uh, and then uh, changing gears uh, your your girlfriend asks you uh, what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read so this was this was the hardest one for me mm-hmm. um, and i think i think reading or watching sad fiction is uh, for me is kind of how people a lot of people approach horror Horror is a very specific genre that some people love. I am one of those people. Mm. Um, and some people just don't don't get on with for whatever reason. That's totally fine. Um, I'm sure I've, I, I listened to an episode of, of yours earlier um, where somebody was talking about uh, horror comics and how it was something that they just didn't, didn't get on with. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what sad media is for me. Um, mm. I, I don't ever want to like read something that will make me sad. Yeah. But sometimes it happens. Sometimes it, it they fall through the cracks. Um, so the the book that I've chosen uh, is a book called Eternal. Yeah. Um, which is a it's a really good Viking um, uh, self-contained story. It's presented in this really beautiful kind of large format. Um, it's from Black, yeah, Black Mask um, Studios, and it was uh, Ryan K. Lindsay is the writer. Um, Eric Zawadatsky, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, I think so. It's illustrated, and, it's, and it was coloured by uh, D. Cunniff. Um, and it is, it is a a beautifully realised 
book that has a, and I don't want to spoil it, but it has a very sad moment about halfway through. Right. Um, and it's the kind of thing that could, I think you could deal with, not badly, but you could deal with in a very simple way. Mm. It it essentially contains the, the death of a character. And the pages following are, there are four pages, and three of them are just blank. They're just black. And then one of them is um, one character looking out across the ocean. It's got this kind of large black border, and the only... Uh, that character's all in silhouette and then the only image in front of you is a burning like longboat right which is obviously the dead character being yeah. being shipped off um and <laughs> yeah um and i am a sucker for anything viking if you put the word viking on something i will read it and i will buy it Great. Um, good to know <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah any anything viking i will buy um but yeah it's it's a very it's a very violent book and then sometimes and then the violence kind of comes back to bite them um and yeah it's it is those black blank pages they really give you like a moment to just sit with what has happened Mm. and i think that's that's what kind of gives it the the biggest impact there's a lot of stuff where you see in comics or in, in media, you see something sad or upsetting happen and then you see the characters reacting to it. And that's kind of what informs you about if you should be sad or if you should be happy or, or things like that. But I think what's so good about Eternal is that moment happens and then it just lets you sit with it. It gives you these blank pages which are just just time for you to kind of reflect on what has just happened and realize what's just happened and and then the next scene is the the character who you would think that you would see all the emotion from mm. but it's just them silhouetted you see nothing from them and it's just the the flaming boat um and yeah i just thought it was it was super impactful the the book is amazing around all that as well mm. but that that moment in particular and that that time and who who thought that some of the best work in a comic book would be a blank page yeah <laughs> i mean it's very smart in a way um yeah. because um you know uh, ryan k Lindsay, he's a he's a great writer um yes. and of course the artist uh contributing to that um he's obviously thought that you know um the the moment is going to speak for itself and the reader can kind of fill in the emotion yeah exactly um and and i think i think it does i think i think you read it and you do just you just sit with it and it giving you that moment to pause Mm. really makes it way more impactful than if it if it happened and then it had just immediately moved on to something else yeah then yeah it would kind of lose the the moment yeah but kind of that foresight um to to put those in is uh is paramount um that's amazing um so yeah uh definitely uh check out eternal um from uh from black mask studios um and so yeah. uh 
moving emotions again um yes. the uh, the next question that comes up is what's the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've read so like i like i said in the in the previous question i love horror i love everything horror um like vikings if you put horror on something i will probably read it or at least try and check it out mm-hmm. um that's a lot harder to narrow down um but uh but yeah so this this was quite hard in a different way because a lot of the time i i think because i've read so much i've almost desensitized myself to stuff and things don't uh scare me as much anymore but something that um and i may i may uh divide your audience on this Mm -hmm. but something that i have only just started recently reading um, despite my love of horror, is the uh, Alan Moore, Eddie Campbell, From Hell. Right, yeah. Yeah, the absolute so, classic. <laughs> yes, the absolute classic that I have only I have only started reading and I haven't yeah. finished yet. Yeah, well, it's a big book. <laughs> yeah, well, so I... Um, I... Not I, I dislike, dislike, but I find it harder to read massive tomes Mm. Uh, I much prefer kind of shorter, um, maybe like uh, single issue things mm. or or single stories. Um, but I I find myself reading a kind of shorter one shot against reading like a twenty part or thing all combined together. Those massive omnibuses that you can get, yeah. they I, they have never appealed to me because I would rather read things in in smaller chunks. Mm-hmm. So I had always always wanted to read from hell, um, but as you said, it, it is such a massive book. Um, I kind of never, I just never got around to it. It was always the kind of thing that I looked at and I went, "Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll read that at some point, but not today." It's almost the Citizen Kane of kind comics. of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, everybody like knows that you know it's the greatest film that there's there's ever. Also, it's meant to be the greatest film that there's ever been. But like whether or not you get around to watching it is another question. Yeah, pretty much. And um, so my my stepdad was big into comics, and he was he was a big influence on on me reading comics and what I read. Mm. And one of the books that he had was From Hell, and I, I looked at it for all the years that, that I lived at home and all, it was always like, I'll read that one day. I'll read that before I go. I'll read mm. it before I go to uni. Oh, I'll read it when I go back over Christmas. Oh, <laughs> I'll read it this time. This I never, ever read it. Um, and then recently, um, the publisher, I think it's knockabout or top shelf, um, yeah, have re-released them in small chunks. So small kind of, uh, us standard, format comics great um and they've all been uh, colorized okay um and it's all been colorized by eddie campbell so it's all been done by oh, the right by the original artist yeah yeah and i did see it the first kind of couple of times and i was like oh it's all in black and white originally do i want to read this kind of like newfangled version mm. um but they are they are kind of the size of of just a your your normal uh, comic book is if probably there's some issues that are a little bigger um, and they're just really nicely presented they've got a nice kind of cover design each one matches um the ones before i think they're three three or four issues in and there's going to be 10 in total right um but yeah so i i picked that up and i started reading it and it was very much that thing of 
well, why haven't I read this before? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what what scares me the most about it, or what is the scariest thing about it, is um, just how just how clinical the uh, the doctor is. I can't remember for the life of me uh, his name, um, but how how clinical he is about everything, and how yeah. I guess how much like a, a doctor he is about just like this um, mass murder essentially and, and becoming a serial killer and um, the, the lives of these people that he's just going to pull away for, for basically a, uh, an idiot's mistake. And then because he's been told to do it, um, mm. it's, it's that, that weird clinical nature of, of him just being told, Oh, this needs to get sorted and him going, okay, Yep, I guess I'll do that then. And there's almost no emotion to it, which oh, yes. I find yeah. the, the most terrifying. Um, yeah, the guy was an absolute psychopath. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I'm not even halfway through. So, so I think that's just, even even more so, I think that's just testament to how, how impactful it is. Um, but Alan Moore's writing is so dense. Mm-hmm. And it is, they are, they are almost mini tomes in and of themselves. Um, but yeah, it's, it is enjoyable is a weird thing to say about it, but they are very mm. good. Um, intense. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to read them all in one go. And so I don't think, I don't think I could sit and read that book in one sitting, but um, kind of, a bit of bit of lower light enough to just read by and sitting sitting kind of like with a bit of spooky music on yeah nice. and, and candle lit as well <laughs> candle lit of course yeah <laughs> nasty um and yeah just just for the listeners um if you haven't heard of from hell before it's basically kind of the the, the story of uh, of jack the ripper essentially and kind of the uh um i suppose the the suspicion it's, of the actual suspect yes yeah so it's it. it it puts um suspicion on on a, a royal doctor um and it kind of has a a lead up as to why these things happen so maybe they weren't so random and maybe the the victims were selected mm. rather than rather than just randomly killed um but yeah i even i who haven't read it I just assumed everybody would know what it was. Um, yes, yeah. Because yeah. it is just yeah. one of those books that is so so well known. Sometimes. Yes. Yeah, it totally is. Um, but uh, yeah, it's always uh, always good to make sure. Um, and, yeah. and and from hell is actually um, the the title is uh, from the from hell letter, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, um, so from how letter is kind yeah. of the the letter that the police at the time in the kind of late 1800s received and it's the only letter that they think is actually from the killer yes because there was a lot of other letters as well but some of them yeah. are said to have been forged by the papers or yeah um, but yeah that's, or other that's, people um, yeah yeah uh, basically just having a laugh um, yeah, uh, at people's people's expense, like murder victims' expense, which is terrible. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's the world we live in, I guess. Even back in the Victorian <laughs> era, even back then, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Uh, so uh, moving on, um, we kind of 
try to get a bit more back into the light. Um, and uh, the next question that comes up is, what's the most meaningful comic to you? So, not not veering too far away, um, <laughs> sticking on the, the horror tract. Yes. Um, one of, I, th- I think, it, I'm pretty sure it was uh, the first comic that I found myself. Um, so, like I said, like I, my uncle read comics and my stepdad read comics, so I always kind of was reading stuff growing up. But it was a lot of stuff that they read or that they had read growing up themselves and things like that. Um, but I I found a book uh, called Hack Slash, right? Which is a it's a kind of slasher parody satire, but then it is it is uh, kind of like Sex Castle. It is a a slasher uh, book in its own right, um, and it is basically about a uh, a young woman who is the daughter of a slasher killer like uh, Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees. Um, and her mum was the lunch lady. Right. And she kind of survives that experience. And so she becomes the final girl like there are in, in a lot of horror films of, of that uh, 80s slasher persuasion. Mm. Um, she survives and then vows to essentially kill every other slasher there is out there and so she goes off traveling uh, with her uh, companion uh, called vlad who is this kind of hulking slightly disfigured guy who wears this terrifying gas mask and in all intensive purposes looks like a slasher himself right. um, he carries these two like massive machetes um wears a, a creepy long trench coat um but is the total kind of like sweetest, nicest guy in the world. He doesn't fully understand everything. He's a slight, slightly dim, but mm. has like the kind of biggest heart and is, is always looking out for the best in people um, while they both kind of run around killing slashers. Uh, it has a lot of crossovers with actual slasher properties. So there's a kind of crossover with the reanimator series of films and uh, Chucky turns up in it at one point. Oh, right, wow. Um, there's, a, there's a crossover with uh, the Hatchet films and the, the comic uh, Nailbiter. Right. Uh, which is another really good uh, horror comic if, if you're into horror comics. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it was, it was the first thing I found myself. It was something that I, I discovered all on my own and it was the first thing that I went into a comic book shop to find myself. Oh, great. Um, so I remember going to uh, Orbital Comics in London mm. uh, and at their old location where it was kind of, it was almost down like a weird secret set of stairs mm-hmm. um, and looking for the like graphic novels and stuff like that. And it was the first thing that I started collecting. It was while I had read a lot of kind of big, long series of things, or I had read graphic novels uh, Hackslash was the first thing that I kind of would search for every month, would make sure I had the next issue of. And I don't think I had a standing order yet at that point, but it was it was essentially the, the standing order that I just did myself. I just kept an eye, making right. sure that I knew when the next issue was out, and which has obviously spawned into a, a massive uh, collection of um, stuff that I pick up that has veered up and down. Um, over the the last few years 
and has obviously um, pushed me into writing my own stuff as well. And so, yeah, I think I think meaningful because it is so important to my kind of comic reading. Um, and then it's also just really good. It's it can be um, overly sexualized at times, um, right. to say the least. But it's I think it, it like Sex Castle it is very tongue in cheek. Mm. It is as much a parody of what it is um, as just being a, a, a slasher film, but in comic form. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's very fun while it can still have the quite impactful moments and, and that kind of thing as well. Fantastic. It kind of sounds like it's trying to hit all of the emotions that one goes through. I guess um, into into comics, and and do you think that uh, that comic has a has had an impact on on your creative process? Yeah, I think so for sure. I think it's. Um, I know that it started with one shots, right? And it started with a kind of a selection of smaller stories set in this one kind of universe, and in instead of having uh, like single issues with big overarching stories and it did lead lead to that and it it kind of stopped for a while and it had a resurgence um where because it was originally written by tim seeley um who i think he's now doing some valiant stuff he did a big long run on Nightwing as well which was really good um and the resurgence uh, was written by uh, teeny howard who's done some of uh, the newer X-Men stuff, the kind of big crossover that they're doing at the moment. And it it does kind of a really good job of having the single issue, like one shot story almost, as well as an overarching story. And it kind of gives you a good example of, or it gave me a good example at least of, of how to, how to build a world kind of like when we were talking about the days of future past and you have this world around it, but the comic you're reading has this singular story um, and you can just read that and be satisfied. But if, if there's more interest in the world around it, you can go and read other issues and things like that. And I think that's, that's definitely helped. And the, the uh, book that I'm I'm writing at the moment, um, Tales of Mystery is, it's a four issue series that's kind of got a bigger world around it. Mm. Um, and there are possible plans to do to do other series um, or kind of set within the same world. But that kind of thing where you read you read one and you don't have to read the other, but they kind of inform each other um, and they build on each other. Um but yeah, I think so. I think it's it's definitely it's definitely influenced my work, and I just I haven't written as as much horror stuff. Um, I think because I was not afraid, but I, I was, which is ironic because it's horror. Um, yeah. But I I didn't want to be pegged into that corner of just right. doing horror stuff, and mm-hmm. so I think now that I've kind of done a couple of books and. I'm gonna. The, the horror is gonna start to to shine through. In in the new anthology, in the Sprouting anthology, there are a couple of horror stories in there as well. And um, so yeah, the the horror and the the influence from books like Hackslash will will definitely start to show through soon. Fantastic! I look forward to it. Um, 
and uh, so your uh, your uh, conversation in the cabin uh, moves on to uh, what's the most underrated comic? Okay, so this this one was um, this this was hard, and I think I think other people have had the same um, issue with. I don't know what an underrated comic can be sometimes mm. because so I've I picked Queen and Country which is a British set spy thriller um it's 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 really good it's all black and white um they did uh, quite a while ago I think they did these really nice quite uh thick paperback uh, copies that had like 12 in issues in them each I think and each of the stories is about three to four issues long. Um, so you can kind of read one one story, you get the complete thing. Um, it's written by Greg Rucker, and then there's a slew of other really good um, artists. Uh, I know that in the first volume, at least, um, Brian Lee O'Malley, I think, did some of the inking on one of the issues. And there's a part uh, written by... Uh, Sorry, illustrated by Stan Saki, who did uh, Yusagi uh, Yojimbo. Right. Um, and he just has a kind of small, I think it's like an interlude in one of the stories. Um, but, so I'm, I'm holding my copy of it, and, and I thought, oh yeah, this, this, is, this will be a great book to pick for underrated. I'm sh- I don't really hear people talk about it anymore. Right. Uh, it's the kind of thing that I, I would expect to in in the age of kind of um i know it's dying out a bit more but in the age of james bond being as big as it was a, like a few years ago and things like that I'm, I'm surprised that queen and country hasn't been picked up to to be something in another media whether it's film or tv but as i'm looking at my copy of the graphic novel it uh, it comes to my attention that it actually won an eisner so oh, right okay. can't be that underrated because <laughs> no. It, it won. Uh, it won best new series. It was in two thousand and one, so it was okay. It was quite a while ago. Um, yeah. It's right, but but yeah, I, I think it's it's really good. It's just solid spy stories, um, really good characters, and it's. It, I think it's just something that I just don't hear people talking about. I think mm. it's maybe maybe it's not old enough that it it's considered a classic yet. Um, and it, it kind of falls in that middle ground where early 2000s, um, a lot of people talk about the the 90s being as the 90s and early 2000s being as the worst time for comics. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, I think it I think it is that thing is it should be so much more well renowned. Um, but but I guess it was because it won an Eisner. Um, yeah, well, at the time, at the time, um, and and then these things kind of get forgotten a little bit. Yeah, exactly. um, which is uh, which sucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, just uh, opportunities like this um, to try and revive it is is what it's all yeah. about. Um, but yeah, if if you like any kind of spy or crime or anything like that, and you haven't read Queen or Country, Queen and Country, I would definitely definitely pick it up. It is. A fantastic book. Awesome. Um, and so we come on to uh, the most difficult question, um, which is for you, what's the best comic of all time? Okay, so I chose uh, the Parker uh, books, the Richard Starks Parker, 
which was uh, they are adaptations. Um, so they're adaptations of uh, novels, a series of novels, I believe. Um, and they are adapted and illustrated by Darwin Cook. So mm. probably one of the best uh, comic artists there has ever been. Um, the, the Parker books are a kind of crime noir uh, each one, I think there's four. Uh, each one is a different story. They are presented in these really nice, kind of smaller format hardbacks. I think you can get them in paperbacks as well, uh, but if you can get your hands on the hardback, they are really nice. And each of the each of the stories is done in uh, like monochrome, so it's it's single single color. So it's not quite black and white. Uh, the first one's in this kind of uh, slightly blue tone. I think one of them's in a slightly orange tone. So all the shading and the background and that kind of thing is all in this single color. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're just so well paced, so well put together. Um, Parker is a, a dislikable hero. He, he's the kind of, he's your kind of hero who he's a bad guy, but he has a, has a code um, but sometimes his code is maybe things that you should definitely not agree with. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, they are all just a very compelling read. Um, I don't think the... Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and I don't think there is anything wrong with any of them. Uh, I think there are there are some that are better than others. And, and yeah, they're just... They're so... They are the, the perfect summation of a comic book i think and the kind of visual storytelling that that comic gives you um it's sometimes the lettering and the text will be kind of take up half the page and be along the side and sometimes it will it'll be word balloons sometimes it will be a page of mostly text with a kind of drawn image around it but it never it never feels jarring it all just kind of flows so nicely um and yeah so i think i think that's why it's it's maybe the the best um comic of all time it's maybe not to everybody's tastes but i think but this is for you (laughs) yeah and i think it's the best example of the the comic art as well amazing and are there any standout moments for you in that book oh that's difficult i'm looking yeah. i'm looking at it now um right. there is i th- i think so that i think there's four the first one's called the hunter um and i think it's it's in one of the i think it's in the second or third one and there's a bit where he essentially finds out that he's been betrayed right um or the the that kind of thing where the hero finds out that their plan wasn't wasn't the the plan that everybody else was going by yeah and and it's him enacting his revenge and getting his own back but doing it his way and you kind of come to realize that like oh this this kind of was the plan all along and he is he is way smarter than everybody else and um he he's very much a character that we we do things as we've said and not um, change things along the way and not every criminal is like that as as you find throughout the book and 
you you really get a sense of how much he he believes he's much smarter and much better than a lot of people right especially in the kind of criminal world and as you read the books you realize that he is right arrogant yeah sure Mm -hmm. but he is right and he will plan for things to go wrong knowing that people won't listen to him and and stuff like that and i think it's as much as it is just a a great story it's very much a character study just about him um and so i think all all that kind of like lower level like character stuff that that can sometimes in uh the big crime epic books be pushed aside by the story i think this is this is an example of something where the character the characters push the story to go forward and and parker is a an amazing character awesome um and so uh our last uh question uh for for comics is if you could only take one of these comics into the apocalypse which would it be okay so i think i think it was fairly easy for me on this one um mm-hmm. i i chose hack slash uh, right. because it's it's got comedy it's got action it's got horror um in some some cases it even has uh, sentimentality and sadness um and we all know how much I don't I don't like to read about sadness, but hmm. um, but it has it has that in there as well, and it it just has a bit of everything, and it was the most meaningful comic to me. Um, but I in in regards to this, um, I had a question for you. Yeah. So if I if I can take what what quantifies as one comic, so is it is it a single issue, a trade, or is it the the series? It's the series. Okay. Yeah, so, so you can take the entire Hack Slash series. That's amazing, because there's loads. <laughs> there's, I think there's about six or seven omnibuses. Um, so, yeah, so that'll keep me entertained for, for at least a day uh, mm. when I'm not trying to avoid being infiltrated by robot spies. Um, so, yeah, I'd say, I'd say Hack Slash is, is definitely the thing that I would take in. Fantastic. And hopefully you're... Uh, your bear army uh, will uh, will keep you safe. Yeah, um, maybe I can the read them stories that, from it as well and see how they react. Show them some tips on on how to take out the robots, maybe. Yeah, there you go. That sounds good to me. Um, and uh, our la- our very <laughs> last question is: um, now that you're in this uh, robot uh, takeover apocalypse, uh, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you take into the apocalypse with you? Okay, so so this is this is a a self defense mechanism, I guess. Um, in in the the remote cabin, um, surrounded by bears, there is one piece of technology that I will keep with me, um, and hopefully, because it's battery operated, it will be it will be okay. Um, but as a way to to fend off any robots that do come through. And maybe this is this is a way that we can work out who the spies are as well. I've decided that I'm going to take a universal remote with me. Okay, yeah. So I'm hoping, it's, it says it's universal, it says it will work on anything. So yeah. I'm hoping if I point it at a robot and I just press off, then they will just turn <laughs> off. And so if I'm, if I'm in a chase, I can just turn around, switch them off. Don't know how long it will last for. Maybe they've, they'll reboot or something, but... Hopefully, I'll give myself enough time to run away, um, or I'll be able to, to spot out the spies. 
um just every human that kind of like comes near me i'll just i'll just press it see what happens if they turn off then i know that they're a robot um whether it will actually work or not the only way to test it would be in the field so to speak exactly just got to get out there but yeah um, it's worth a try i think yeah too right that sounds like a pretty good weapon to me yeah fantastic well asa wheatley thank you so much for sharing your comics for the apocalypse it's uh thanks for having me it's been real fun um and uh uh just one more time for the listeners where where can people find you yeah so i'm on twitter uh, at asa wheatley so that's a-s-a-w-h-e-a-t-l-e-y uh my website is just asaweekly.com as well um if you go to kickstarter and look at sprouting um i'm sure if you just search sprouting but the full title is sprouting and other tales of the curious you'll be able to find the kickstarter on there um it's basically running throughout the whole month of april so check it out um and see if that's something you'll be interested in fantastic and then do you have any cons coming up uh, yeah, so I've got in May, um, I'll be going to Oldham Comic Con, um, which will be the first year that, uh, that I'll be exhibiting there. Great. And then at the end of that month, uh, it will be MCM May as well. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Um, yeah, um, I was thinking of, uh, of going to, to that one, um, but I might not be able to go, um, just as a punter. But, uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, if i do I i'll think, let you know yeah yeah definitely definitely do i think as a punter it's something that can be uh quickly ruined by crowds sure sometimes um but i think i think sundays and fridays are are the the good days to go saturdays are very packed and very warm Heaving, no doubt <laughs> awesome uh well thanks again asa it's been it's been a real pleasure and uh best of luck with the kickstarter thank you very much great see you soon yep bye bye thanks again to asa for being on comics for the apocalypse if you'd like to check out asa's kickstarter or follow him on social media those links are in the show notes along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet and finally as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week i'll see you next monday bye for now